God. I want to yell. I want to yell, but I'm going to control myself. Hey, you guys seen the um, the love bugs around? Oh, my Lord. Pray, pray for your boys. Oh, my gosh. Love bugs are, are from the devil. It has nothing to do with my sermon, but I just I want us to feel a common ground. Like, we're in this together. We're doing life together. And if you struggle with love bugs, golly, we all struggle with them. So we're going to pray against that this, uh, today. I pray that every love bug that comes against your car explodes before it hits your windshield. Amen? And we got to pray about those things, too. Anyways. For those that don't know, my name is Dennis Rivera. I am the youth and young adults pastor of our Point Siena campus. Woo-hoo. Shout out to Point Siena. It's like seven hours away, JK, but kind of feels like that. All right, I, I got I to gotta give myself permission. I want you guys to give me permission. Can I preach tonight? <laughs> now, I have a very specific style of preaching, and I stick to the script. Uh, but tonight, I believe God is moving my heart in a different direction. So if you're not used to what you hear today from Pastor Dennis, do not be afraid because it's not me speaking. Come on, somebody, it's God speaking. Um, and tonight, I, I really believe I, I didn't come with my own word. I came with his word, and I'm scared to share this. So I know it's going to bless my life. My prayer is that you would, you would receive this as good as God speaks this to you. Last month, we did this series on the book of Galatians. Did anybody enjoy that? Were you blessed by it? Wasn't it good? I was, I was challenged. I was messed up. I was motivated uh, to do the right things and unmotivated to do the wrong things. That sermon series is so good. And, and, and if you don't, if you weren't here last month, please listen to the podcast. Because uh, this series, which is new, actually comes from that series. And so Galatians was all about having genuine faith. Somebody say genuine faith. Now, this series is not on a particular scripture, but it's, it's more topical. And this series isn't about having genuine faith. This series is about being a genuine person. Now, some of us, we, we struggled with genuine faith. And so in response, we were ungenuine as people. And so we had to go through the first problem, which was your faith, where your faith goes to, where your faith comes from. And now we're going to hit home a little bit more than we did in Galatians because Galatians was about your relationship with Jesus. And, and sometimes that doesn't mess us up. We're just starting it out. But in this series, This Is Me, we're hitting home every single week. And you might get offended. Can I let you know, if you're getting offended at something I say, it's probably the first thing God is trying to point out to yourself. It's like, hey, let's work on it. He's not saying, hey, you're so bad at this. He's saying, hey, this is what I want to work on with you. And so in this series, come on. Does anybody take notes on a Tuesday night? Let me see it in the air. Come on, show it off. Show it. Show off that you take notes. God is watching, right? Now. He's like, hey, you first in line, you second in line. Shout out to you. If you don't take notes, tonight is the best night to start taking notes because uh, we believe that when God speaks, I got to listen. And what you're about to hear in the next 20 minutes isn't for the following 20 minutes. You're probably not going to practice today's sermon tonight. You're going to practice this tomorrow morning when you want to curse your boss out. When there's little kids around your school and you just want to kick them and go to jail after. Like, it's in those moments you're going to be like, I need to pull out my notes. What did God say last night? It's not tonight. So forget about it. If you can memorize this sermon in the next 30 minutes, you need this next week. When you want to hit up your ex again because you're feeling a bit too lonely, you're going to need this sermon next week. When the wrong friends are asking you to go to the club again and you have nothing to do on a Thursday night, you're like, Thursday? Okay, I guess so. Weird. What? Whatever. <laughs> you're going to need this. So tonight's sermon title, if you're taking notes, please write this down. It's where do we come from? Where do we come from? Where do we come from? You guys gave me permission to preach, so I'm going to do it. Let me read this Bible verse, and then we're going to pray, and I'm going to preach this thing out. Genesis 2, 7 through 8, chapter 2 says this, verse 7 through 8. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed. Somebody say breathe. 
he breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils. Look what happens next. After he breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils and the man became a living person. That's so important. We're going to go to that in just a moment. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils and the man became a living person. Verse 8, then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden. And there, there, what did he do? There he placed the man that he had made. Come on, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to prepare our hearts before we talk about this. Holy Spirit, we're here. And as Dale said, I, I second what he said. God, I believe that your spirit is amongst us. Not because we moved you to be here, God. Not because there was a certain song that we sung that made you show up. Not because we played your jam or your bop, God. No, no, no. You showed up because you love us more than we love ourselves. You showed up because you have more for us than we could create for ourselves, God. You showed up because you have a plan. Because you're not wasting time. You're not wasting a moment. You're not wasting this month, God. You're not wasting this year. You're taking advantage of every moment, God. And so the moment you knew that we were going to step into this room, you took advantage and you got here before us, Jesus. Before we could ask you to be here, you already showed up, God. Before we could ask you to speak, you were already speaking, God. And so tonight, my, my prayer isn't that you would say more because I know you're going to say something, God. My prayer is that we would receive it well. Come on, everyone in this room, pray this with me. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, speak to me. You probably already got used to saying that prayer. Come on, say it again. Jesus. Speak to me. It's a scary prayer. I don't know if you know what you're repeating right now. Come on, somebody say it with me. Say, Jesus, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' name, everybody says, amen. amen. I know last week I, I kind of shared a little moment of, of my life, what I've been going through for the past three months uh, with my sister losing her baby. Um, she was three months pregnant. For those that didn't come last week and didn't hear the story, she was three months pregnant, and, and she had an unfortunate miscarriage. And so quickly, my family, we kind of rattled around her, and, and, we, and we comforted her, and we were with her, but we were all hurting at the same time. So we decided we were going to take a trip to Texas. So we go to Texas for about a week and a half or so, a week, maybe like eight days. can't remember exactly how long, but we, we were spending time coping with each other. We were, we were in hotel rooms crying with each other. We were going out to Ben and Jerry's. Come on, ice cream is comfort food. We needed that. We, we had way too much ice cream that, that week. And so we were eating so much ice cream, and, and we were eating a lot of pizza as well, a lot of Mexican food. Shout out Texas. I love you guys in Texas. Uh, please, let's, let's have a new birth campus in the next couple of years in Texas uh, so we can have a taco joint in the church. Imagine a church with a taco joint inside. The taco spots were so amazing. And, and, and one of our favorite things to do after we were eating at taco spots, we would go downtown San Antonio or Houston, wherever we were staying at that day, and we would go and we would walk down the streets and see what the people were making. Like, what was their community like? What was, their, what was their normal day-to-day? -day? Like, what do they do every day that seems normal? But to us, it's like, oh, my God, it's so cool. And we go across this little downtown alley, and, and I don't know if anybody's ever been to Artagon Mall before. It was, you know, back when it was Artagon. Come on, somebody. Like, that was the, that was the place. You had to go there. Uh, so it was a little shopping center uh, kind of like that, and it was open at night. It was beautiful lights, very, like, Instagram-worthy. You would love it. You would post a lot about it. Um, but we were coping, so we didn't take a lot of pictures. We were just walking and enjoying life, and we would go up to the store. And it's this old Mexican lady. And she has this old shop, and she's outside of the shop, and she's painting. Like, she is throwing it down. Like, she is killing it. Like, the details that she, she is literally, all she does is paintings on her heritage. Just, like, things that happened in Mexico, the independence, everything. Come on, Cinco de Mayo coming up. What's up? And she was right. All these, their, their cultural clothing, people wearing it, like, the most beautiful pieces, sunflowers all over the place. And she painted everything by hand. 
And we're like, oh my God, this, this lady, she's so amazing. And the first thing on our mind, come on, when you go to vacation, you know you're a Christian if the first thing you think of is souvenirs for the people back home. Come on. You're generous. You love God. You love people. You serve. You know, even when you're on vacation, you're thinking of everybody back home. And so I'm thinking, what do I get for my girlfriend? Hand painted. Come on, somebody. You know, I had this, uh, as, as the artist say, I had this commission for you. And, you know, I, I had her paint a little thing. She threw it down. I was like, okay, what do I get for my girlfriend? I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm going all around the store. My girlfriend loves sunflowers, and that was the main thing she painted as far as, like, nature. And it was a beautiful sunflower garden with a lady in a very Mexican dress. And it was beautiful. And I was like, oh, I'm getting that piece right here. I go to her. I'm like, hey, can I get this piece? I, I want to get it in, like, the four by six, whatever her, the dimension was. It was, like, the medium size. She goes, yeah, that'll be uh, $67. And I was like, you know you can get sunflowers at Publix, right? <laughs> I was like, you know, uh, $67. I don't, I don't know if I could do that. That's a bit much. And so we got into this conversation, and long story short, I ended up not buying it, but all night long I was complaining about it. 67 who does she think she is? Does she know I have a girlfriend? Does she know my bank account does not look too good because I have a girlfriend? She don't want to help a brother out. Like, I'm just trying to get a present. I'm trying to do something nice. I'm trying to show off her painting to the world, a.k.a. my girlfriend, my world. And I'm just trying to do something. I'm trying to give her money so she can pay her bills. And she has the audacity to highball me at 67. I remember speaking to my sister and my mom and my dad, and they reminded me that ultimately I did not have a say in the pricing, but she had it. Because she was the one who made the painting. She's the one who determines the price. And if I didn't like the price of her painting, I didn't make it. So I could complain about it, but nothing that I said affected how the painting looked. It was still beautiful. It was still perfect. It was still as she envisioned it. Can I let you know it's the same thing with God and you tonight. In this series, This Is Me, I need to let you know that God had created you in a specific way. And because he is your maker, he determines your value. He determines your worth. See, somebody needs to hear that because you posted something on Instagram recently and it didn't get as many likes as you normally do. For some reason, it was weird, right? Because it, it was probably on a Monday night, you posted it, it's like your highest place, right? And for some reason, I know we're laughing, but some of us, were really messed up about it. Wow, 120? Bro, I'm, I'm usually averaging like 210. Or like 180. And, and literally, you're, you're, you're even thinking about posting it at a different time than you originally posted it because you feel so affected by the amount of likes your post has. See, the reason you need to understand that God made you so he determines your value is because some of you have had multiple interviews in the last couple of weeks and nobody's calling back. And you're destroyed. You're like, oh my God. I have a good resume. I took time to make this. This is my third resume this month. I switched it up. I changed it up. They said they really liked me. Why aren't they calling me back? And some of us, because of these moments and situations, we feel so low about ourselves. And I need to let you know, they didn't hire you, but they also didn't make you. So don't let their decision determine your value. Because God said at the end of the day, no matter what job you have, you're still my son. Whether you're homeless or you have a home, you are my child and I am your father. So what God is saying tonight, saying, I'm your maker, so let me determine your value. But, but, then, but then there's this other side. Because if you really look into the analogy, if you really look into what God was showing me through this woman that was painting, it's that if she determines this price all her life, but no one decides to buy, she'll go broke. She'll make all this stuff, 
but it would serve no purpose because it would be sitting on her shelves every day of her life. And so, yes, in some instance, the maker does determine the value, but it really is the buyer that has to meet that value if they want to. And so a wise maker would set the value of something at a place where it determines how good their work is, but it would also be accessible to the people. See, now God understood that in such a way that he became the maker and the buyer. He said, not only am I going to make you and determine your worth, but when sin said you were worthless, I'm not only going to make you, but I'm going to buy you with my son, and I'm going to bring your value right back up. I'm speaking to somebody in this room that was a stock that went down bad, but God decided to pick you up. Someone that was in this room that you were a broken piece of plate, and God put metal and gold inside of you, and he turned you into a beautiful art form. See, Jesus is so good. He doesn't just make you to determine your value. He buys you back when people decide that your value is lower than what he originally intended. See, a good Christian that lives with a healthy identity, somebody say identity, a good Christian with a healthy identity, they say this often. They say, and I want you to write this down, I am his creation. You see, when you live as creation, life is a bit different. When you live as creation, you take less control of certain things that aren't in your control. See, when you live as creation, you live a lot slower and you're not in such a rush to do the next best thing. Because you understand that at the end of the day, I am his creation. I don't determine my own value. They don't determine my value. I don't choose who I am. They don't choose who I am. Only God chooses who I am. You don't determine, man, this is the promotion I deserve. Why? Because I'm not creator. I'm creation. He, de- he, de- he shows me what de- promotion I deserve. He shows me what my next level is. I don't choose my next for myself because I'm just creation. And oftentimes I've learned that people who are understanding that they are creation, they live with less, with less anxiety. They call less shots. They take control of less moments in a room. I've learned that people who don't realize their creation, they often tell people what to do way too often. They tell people what to do, but they can never be told what to do. They always have to call the shots, but they can never submit under anything. People who, are, who, who don't understand that they're creation, they live with this constant anxiety of trying to be someone. And they often mistaken it with doing something. And we'll get that into a little bit. See, when you understand that I am creation, you understand what Genesis 2 says. I want to throw it up again. I want to read this. Ready? The Bible says that God created them. He picked them up from the dust of the ground. But 2-7 says, and he breathed. Somebody say breathe. He breathed the breath of life into man's nostrils, ready? Look, look at this evolution of man. From He breathed life into man's nostrils and the man became a living person. So you gotta understand that your worth comes from his breath. See, it, it was just a man before the breath of God. But when God breathed life, it went from man to Adam. I was just a living being. I was just a human before God breathed life into me. But the moment God breathed life into me, I became Dennis. I became a son. I became a friend. I became a boyfriend. I became a future husband. Come on, somebody. I became a best friend. I became an employee. See, before the breath of God, it was just this thing that was waiting for something to enter in it. But the moment that God breathed life, he went from man to living being. See, a lot of us, we're in this journey trying to find out who our inner self is. I want to let you know, if you're going to find yourself, find what God formed. Let's start off there. Let's start off with what God decided to create first, and then we'll work with that. 
See, because a lot of us, we're trying to find ourselves in places that we were never even created. Imagine I, I break a leg and I go to the animal hospital. How stupid would I look? Imagine somebody breaks your heart and you go to the club. How, how, how sad, how sad must that be? Imagine, 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 imagine I, I get a COVID test at the animal shelter. Hey man, I don't know, I'm not feeling good. Can you just, wait, sir, do you understand where you are? failed one class, so you decide to drop out. Wait, 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 sir, sir, do you understand where you are? I think so many of us, we're going to the wrong place, ready? If you're going to find yourself, because we're all in this journey. We're all in this journey of trying to figure out who we are. Can I get an amen if 21 to 27 has been really weird? It's just been weird. You love something with all your heart on Monday, then on Tuesday you're like, ew. Your dream job at 19 is now the worst place you go to throughout your week at 22. I'm praying for this. Why do I hate this so much? Yeah, 20s are weird. I wish somebody would have told me. I think they did tell me. I'm pretty sure they did tell me. But if I'm going to find myself, I, I, I can't go to the wrong place. That's so dangerous. I, I can't go to the wrong place. I got to go and I got to find what God formed first, not what anyone else has to offer. And can I tell you something about Yes, you might have messed up in your life, but he never messed up with you. You gotta understand that because oftentimes when we make a mistake, we put it back into our hands, the hands that made the mistake in the first place. But when you understand that God has never made a mistake with my life, when I mess up my life, I know directly to put it right back into God's hands. God, I'm not gonna try to fix this on my own. God, I'm not gonna be the creator and take control of my, when I mess this up, when I, when I talk bad to my girlfriend and I disrespect her, when I talk bad to my mom and I ignore her, when I don't make time for the people that are very caring to my life, God, I know not to put that back in my hands because my hands messed it up in the first place. When I understand that God didn't mess up with my life, even though I did, I put my life right back into his hands as soon as something goes wrong. As soon as something gets a little fishy, a little funky, a little weird, no, no, no. Oh, you know what? Okay, hold up. Let me place this back into God's hands. See, often most of us, as we're trying to find ourselves, every single day that goes by, we squeeze tighter with our identity. No, you got you to gotta do better. You got to be bigger. I heard this so many times. I got to get rid of my nine to five. I got to work it every single day. Every I got to be up before everyone's up. I got to go. I got to stay awake after everyone's asleep. And every single day that we're trying to figure out what we love, who we are as a husband, as a wife, as a friend, as a student, as an employee. Every day we're just going stronger and stronger, and we're holding tighter and tighter to the neck of our identity. But can I let you know something that's going to free you up tonight? Identity and purpose are two separate. Know this because what's the first thing we always ask God, God, what's my purpose? God, I need to know my purpose. Every day that you live, you're not looking for an identity, you're actually looking for a purpose. And I need to let you know that identity and purpose are two different things. And if you get one but not the other, you will miss the entire point of why Jesus even died for you. Jesus did not die for you to do things. Jesus died for you to be someone. There's a difference. There's a difference between identity and purpose. Jesus didn't die for you to be able to do things. Now, the repercussions of Jesus resurrecting is that now we can do certain things, but the reason is so that he could be one with you. Not so he could do things through you, even though that does happen. The main reason why he died is so you and him could be one. It wasn't about purpose. It was about identity. 
The Bible says that you were a slave to sin. That's identity, not purpose. You were a slave to sin. But it is through Jesus that we have freedom. You know, there's this man in the Bible by the name of Moses. I'm, I'm almost done here. Real short sermon today, Moses. And Moses had this moment that we all have right now as I'm speaking about this. Because the Bible says that Moses was walking and, and he meets with this burning bush. And inside the burning bush, God is speaking to him. And he says, Moses, I'm going to use you to set my people free. Because they're in bondage. They're in captivity. And this is what God gives Moses. He gives him purpose. Now, if you read, I'm not going to read it because it would take too much time. If you read the story of Moses, you know that the following conversations with God and Moses, Moses is arguing with God, God, I, I'm not the guy. I can't do this. You want me to go back to Pharaoh? I just murdered a guy in Egypt, and you want me to go to the place where I killed someone to set all those people free. Over and over, as God is giving Moses purpose, Moses is rejecting the purpose because he didn't understand his identity. My question to you right now is what if God gave you your entire life's purpose? Would you feel capable of doing it? See, because purpose and identity are two separate things. You see, Moses' purpose was to free God's people, but his identity was to be a fearless leader. But because he did not understand his identity, guess what he did? He questioned his purpose. And so many of us right now, we're saying, God, give me my purpose. God, what's my purpose? Some of you right now, you might know your purpose, but you don't know the fullness of it. So all you want to know is, God, what does the end look like? Am I going to go full-time? God, what does the end look like? Am I going to get that promotion? Am I going to get my degree? God, what does it look like? Am I going to get? And God is saying, whoa, you're so focused on your purpose. But if you get full purpose but empty identity, you won't know what to do with your purpose. And so this series, I want you to understand what we're talking about for the next couple of weeks. This idea of this is me is not finding out your purpose. It's finding your God-given identity. Identity. Because I truly believe, just like Moses God gives us our purpose, but we don't have an identity. We will miss out on our purpose. I wrote it down this way. God's identity comes before his purpose. This is the order of things. Not I'm saved. Now, God, what do I have to do? It's I'm saved. God, who do you want me to be? It's not God saying, God, I'm saved. How do you want me to preach? How do you want me to serve? How do you want me to love? Not how, not what, not why. It's who. The first question is who. Answer number one is Jesus. Answer number two is who are you called to be? You know, purpose is all about productivity. But I've learned through scripture and through my life and through your life, because I watch a lot, it's that identity is all about character. And I know a lot of people, ooh, I'm going to get juicy right now, in this room right now. He's talking about me? You talking about, who you talking about? I know people in this room right now that they know exactly what their purpose is, but because they don't know their identity, they ruin their purpose. Person number one, I know a lot of good preachers that are bad people, a lot of good worshipers that have low will. I know a lot of good coaches. I've been in, I've been in, I've been in the NBA. I've been in basketball all my life. I know a lot of coaches in the community. This is my dreams coming out automatically. So I've been in the NBA. Oh, wait, no, I haven't. Remember your purpose, then. It's all right. Sorry, my fault, God. My fault, my fault. I'm not six foot. It's not in me. Whatever. I've been in basketball in my community for a long time. I know a lot of coaches, but they have a lot of bad self-control. And I know so many people that I can tell that they know their purpose so well, but I can also tell they don't know their God-given identity too well. Because they're the kind of person that they come up here, they sing so good. But then they step off the altar, they don't talk to nobody. It's the kind of person that, man, you are such a good greeter, but you're really bad at saying bye because you're the first person going to your car. 
a lot of people that they can set up everything in this room, but they can't set up a personal moment with someone. I know a lot of pastors who can step up on this altar. I've been there. I've done that. And they could preach a good word, tell a good story, but they were never able, they were never able to have a moment with someone in the room. A lot of people with really good purpose, really poor identity. I, I want to let you know identity is... Identity is bigger than sexuality. I'm going to go to the other side of the room. Identity is bigger than destiny. It's so much bigger than what I'm attracted to. It's so much bigger than what I have to accomplish. Identity is so much bigger. It's, it's not as small as we make it. Our identity is so much bigger than, oh, this is what I want to do with my life and this is who I want to become. Identity is separate from purpose, separate from attraction. Identity is separate, but it leads to all these things. So if you have identity right, you'll eventually get all these things right. But if you have identity wrong, you're starting off on the wrong foot. We got to start. We got to start. Somebody say start. We got to start with identity. Not God, what am I here to do? It's God, who have you called me to be? Who do you want me to be like God? I know a lot of people that they, they're so focused on, on, on what they want in a wife. But they're never focused on who they want to be as a husband. And so they get to this place, they get to this place where, oh my God, I got exactly what I wanted out of a wife, but they feel rejected because they never determined what identity they wanted to have as a husband. I want my wife to have this, I want my wife to have that, but now you never figured out what kind of attributes you wanted as a husband. I want to be a kind husband, so now you're not kind. I wanted to be a joyful husband, so now you're not joyful. I wanted to be a disciplined husband, so now you're playing video games every day, and you're sleeping all the time, and you're never spending time with her. And so many of us know what we want, but we don't know who we want to be. And God is saying, start. Somebody say, start. Start right. Start with the who. Start with the who. Start with the who. Identity is separate from purpose. You get identity, you'll eventually get purpose. So what is identity? I gave my own definition. I want to write it to you this way. Identity is your expression of life. Yes, it might be raining outside. You're all thinking what I'm thinking. I'm preaching, but I'm still thinking too. Oh, my God, is it raining? Do I keep preaching? Do we get out of here? No, we're not getting out of here. Come on, somebody say this with me. Identity. Identity is your expression of life. See, based on your identity, I can tell what lives inside of you. Based on how you treat people, I can tell what is inside of you. The Bible says it this way. I, I want to read to you Luke 6, 45. It says, a good person produces good things from the treasure of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. You see, when life squeezes you, the true you comes out. I've learned this, and it's actually pretty offensive. I've learned that the people are most honest with me when they're sarcastic. And that lets me know, oh, you have a good sense of purpose, but a really poor sense of identity. Because you can be real honest with me when you're pretending to be honest. And the Bible says what you say flows from your heart. In other words, I can tell who you are based on how you speak, based on how you walk, and based on how you act. And I've noticed that I can always act until I can't anymore. I can always pretend up until I can't anymore. And when life squeezes me, the real me comes out. When life forces me down into a corner, the real me comes out. I'm either a cat who is lashing at whatever's in front of me, or I can climb up to my father and be safe. It's just one of the two. I can go up where I can fight forward, and I realize that when life gets tough, the real me comes out. There's this man in the Bible. You all know him so well. I had a real similar moment like that, and I'm done with this. His name is Peter. We all know Peter. He, he crazy. He a Jake. Peter, Peter a Jake. 
And we all know the story of, of Peter walking on water. See, Peter, he, he gets to the edge of this boat, and he says, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to go to you. Look what he, look what he asked for. He asked for purpose, not identity. He says, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to go. And I think a lot of us, we get to the edge of the boat of our lives, and we say, God, if it's you, tell me to do something. God, if it's truly you, tell me to live a certain way. Tell me to act a certain way. God, if it's you, tell me to walk a certain way. And Peter goes to the edge of this boat. He says, God, Jesus, if it's you, tell me to go to you. So Jesus responds. He says, come. So Peter steps out into the boat. I don't know if it was five steps, but for the sake of my sentence, five steps later, the Bible says that he is drowning in sorrow, crying out to God. Imagine if God gave you your purpose today as he gave Peter at that moment. What would you look like five days later from now? Five steps after he gives you your purpose, what would you look like? See, Peter was in this moment. He asked for purpose. But we always talk about how Peter got out to the water. We talk about how Jesus saved them. But we never talk about how Peter got back in the boat. I want to read, to you, I want, I want to read that to you today. Matthew 14, 32. Look what it says. Look what it says. This is probably the most... Prophetic. This is probably the most relevant verse right now in my life from this story. It says, and when they, somebody say they. And when they, somebody say they. It's right there. If you didn't get it, you missed it, right? And when they, somebody say they. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. You see, when Peter was walking towards Jesus, he drowned. But when he was walking with Jesus, the wind dies down. See, a lot of us, we say, God, give me purpose, and I'll walk towards it. We say things very Christian, like, God, send me, and I'll go. But we never say, Jesus, just walk with me on the way. God, wherever you want, whatever you want, I'll do it. I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be that person. I'll do that thing. But we never just say, hey, Jesus, can, can you just be with me as I take a step? Can you be with me as I say this prayer? Can you be with me as I make this decision? Can you be with me as I choose this life? Can you be with me, God, as I say, if I, as I read this word? Can you be with me? The Bible says, and they. You see, as two individuals meeting a purpose, Peter drowned. But when it was two people together, they succeeded. I want you to write this down. This is my last point tonight. If you want to find your purpose, you have to walk with God walking back to the boat when they, when they, when they, it's, it's a word of unison, it's a word of togetherness, when they, you see, when he was walking by himself towards Jesus, he failed, and a lot of us, we think that as long as we're going towards Jesus, we're good, well, as long as I'm going towards Jesus, then I must be right, as long as I'm going towards Jesus, then I must be doing the right thing, but Peter walking towards Jesus failed, when he was walking with Jesus, the wind, the storm. See, I don't think it was the fact that they got back on the boat that calmed the storm. It was the fact that they were with Jesus. They, 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 they. It's that they. Can I live in that they? Can I stop living in the towards Jesus? Can I start living in the they with Jesus? Can I stop walking towards my Savior? Can I start walking with my Savior? Can I stop walking towards prayer and towards reading my word? Can I start walking with these things alongside me? You know what's really interesting? Going back to our original story. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says they hid, but something cued them to hide. Something told them to hide. And the Bible specifically says that they heard God walking in Eden. Now, if they heard God walking, it must reflect that this wasn't the first time God walked on earth. Which means this is a sound they've heard before. Because imagine if you, try to, if you hear God walking right now. You wouldn't know what that sounds like. 
And so many theologians reading this, they say it was a custom that God would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden. And so this time when they heard that sound again, because they sinned, they hid. Isn't it crazy to me that even when I make mistakes, God still walks. My mom, no, chancleta, she's running. She's like. But God, when I'm in trouble with God, guess what he does? When I make a mistake on my job, my manager, boy, you. He says things I can't say right now. When I make a mistake, God, he walks. make a mistake with my girlfriend. She tells me right away, I did not like that you did this, Dennis. Oh, my fault, baby. I'm sorry. She's, she's quick to it. She's like, what? <laughs> that is ugly in your personality. My fault. I'll fix it. My fault. That's messed. You're right. You're you right. When I make a mistake with God, look at he does. Look at he does. He walks. And if God walks when I make mistakes, what more do you think he does when he's trying to build me as who I am? When I'm trying to become the person I am, if on my worst, God walks, imagine what he's trying to do at my best. He's not sprinting. He's not running. He is walking. See, this, this is me really is an invitation to a journey to walk with Jesus. Finding your identity with God, it's not a one-stop shop. It's not, oh, God, what's wrong with me? Plug the computer in, tell me what's wrong. I'll pay you 100 bucks and you fix it. That's my dealer. It's not God. It's not God, my, 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 my screen is broken, my face is broken, God, I, my heart is broken, I need you to, it's, it's, no, it's not iPhone repair shops, it's walking. And tonight, I, I, wanna, I wanna, maybe you've heard this a million times, I'm not trying to teach you something new, I'm trying to push you into a journey. That's, that's where you'll find the new. It's not in my sermon. You're not, oh, wow, that was so insightful, Pastor. No, no. It's in what my sermon's pushing you towards, that you'll find new things in your life. You'll find new journeys with God. You'll find new identity within yourself. And tonight, God is saying, hey, are you willing to walk? You're going to make a mistake throughout the journey? Cool. When they made a mistake, I walked. We'll just keep walking. Tonight, God is inviting you. He's inviting you. This is me. I'm a man on God's journey towards my identity. Tonight, make yourself this promise. I'm going to stop requiring for God to give me purpose. I'm going to start searching and seeking after identity. That's my goal for the next couple of weeks, for the next couple of months. My goal is not purpose. My goal is identity. If I get identity, I get everything else. It's walking with God. You know why this is the hardest thing? Because we have, we, we have this habit of having microwave identity. I am I become what I hang around. I am what these people are because I'm always with them. And, and we have this microwave identity. I, I don't know about you, but I'm tired of being a TV dinner version of what God made me to be. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being God's version of Lunchables. I don't want that no more. I'm tired. I'm fresh. Imagine eating Hot Pockets every day. High school dentist. Come on, somebody. He did not look that good. Now imagine your soul right now.
Even when his best friend died, he had a staycation with his disciples. He said, now what you're here for a bit, we'll go over there. He's going to be good. And tonight, if you want to find out your identity with Jesus, it's not, it's not in a certain prayer. It's not in a certain message, not in a certain scripture. It's in daily walking. Somebody say walking. Walking with God. Say walking with God. I'm going to ask that every eye would be closed, every head would be bowed tonight. I, I want to say this prayer for anyone in this room. I want to say this prayer. And then I'm also going to lead everyone in this room to a specific prayer because I believe we all need to say it. Tonight, if you're in this room and, and, and you have this trouble following Jesus, maybe you're not currently following Jesus, but you've heard every word and you're saying, man, I want to start walking with God. I want to walk with him. I don't want to walk towards him. I don't want to walk away from him. I want to walk with him. If that's you tonight, I want to give you an opportunity right now just to say yes to Jesus. I'm going to count to three. And at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. Not because anybody's looking around, every eye is closed, every head is bowed, but because when you raise your hand, you raise your heart. And you're saying, God, me, I'm here. And I want to receive you as my son. As I said earlier, Jesus didn't just make you to determine your worth. He bought you to reestablish your worth in your life. And tonight, if you want to receive what Jesus bought, that, that price he paid on the cross at the count of three, just, just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Ready? One. Come on, this is your moment. Two, if there's anyone in this room. Three, come on, lift your hand all over this room. If there's anyone that wants Jesus, I see one hand in the room. Come on, is there anybody else? Come on, there's a hand lifted up. I see a second hand lifted up. There's two hands lifted up. Come on, church, can we stand up on our feet? Come on, there are two brothers and sisters that are saying, come on, we can make some noise. There's a party in heaven right now. Come on, two individuals saying yes to Jesus.